Listening to The Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show featuring two friends who've been in the same book club for almost 20 years. I'm Carrie. My co host Amy oozes energy and peppiness and still enjoys my sense of humor after all these years. It, she completely lacks moderation, which amuses me. And man, her technology skills are just wow. <laughs> And I'm Amy, my co-host Carrie. I think that she has grumpy cat in her DNA. She did a 23andMe test recently, and she is known for her ever sunny disposition. Sometimes I even drag her out of her house. Basically, we're opposites, but we find common ground on our shared love of books. Each week we chat about what we're reading with each other and sometimes a special guest. We also dabble in other topics like books in the news, recent book-inspired films, our TBR counts, and general things that tease our brains. We're so glad you're here. So this week, we are talking all things time travel. So this is an especially interesting genre for me. I love time travel books. And I think really those were my first books that exposed me to sci-fi. But as we're going to see today, not all time travel books are sci-fi necessarily. Do you know what got me thinking about this particular topic for an episode? I have no idea. I was listening to a Radio Lab episode, which is a show on NPR. You can get it as a podcast. But they were talking about Einstein, Einstein's brain to be specific. And while I did not listen to the whole thing, I caught a blurb of it talking about how Einstein really liked to read time travel literature. Hmm. And that When a lot of it started to become popular, and we'll talk about that in a minute, like what some of the first time travel uh, novels were, that he was about the age when he would have been reading them. And that inspired him to look into astrophysics and experimental mathematics and things like that, because he was curious about whether you could move in time. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. That is cool. We we were talking before we recorded about it, it, this is a little like time travel. Uh, the way we can't determine things that we've talked about that we've recorded or things that we've talked about in real life. It's yeah. sort of like having deja vu and, and feeling a little bit like you're in a time loop because we talk outside of recording and so one of the things that we may talk about today, I said, I know we've talked about this and I couldn't remember. Did we talk about it and recorded? Did we talk about it in real life? Or maybe I talked about it with somebody else. Who knows? I think this is called getting old and senility. I don't know. <laughs> this is why old people repeat the same yeah. stories over and over. They can't remember who they've told it to. Yeah. It's not senility. It's a time loop. <laughs> That makes it sound way cooler. It does. Okay, but first, we have a few housekeeping things. I want to remind everybody that if you missed uh, my Insta Live that I did with Jennifer Calieras on Monday, February 5th, you can go back to our Instagram feed and scroll through and find it. We both talk about what our favorite books of January were. And then in our episode from last week, you heard at the end, I gave a book recommendation to a listener who was looking for her next five-star read. And so, you know, I am ready to do that again. I am ready to give more book recommendations. Now, it doesn't have to be a five-star read. You, you need a good book for discussion for your book club, or maybe you're traveling somewhere and you want to 
a good book to read that's set in that place, you know, anything you want. Send me a message. I love messages. I get so happy when people send me messages. So go to our website to the contact button, or you can contact us uh, through our socials. There we go. You have been out and about lately, which is unusual for you. I saw that you were at a play last night and I thought, huh, I didn't even know she was going to these plays. You have these season tickets for Broadway shows? Yes. And there, there must be a gazillion of these because I feel like you were constantly going to Broadway, There's, traveling Broadway I mean, shows. They're like six a year. Okay. It seems it's, like a lot. It seems like, like a lot. Maybe it's because I never do anything. And so when I do something, you just remember it. And Maybe. so it seems like a lot because you're like, oh my gosh, she's leaving the house. So I, I think that's more it because they're really only like six shows a year. But last night, my friend and I went to see Frozen, which I have to say, I went into it with very, I, I wouldn't say I had low expectations, but I did not expect to enjoy it because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is it's from a movie and who cares? And my kids were older. We didn't go through the Elsa Frozen thing. Yeah. And so I'm like, meh, whatever. Well, <laughs> the special effects in this show were amazing. I mean, there were things that they were doing that the audience was gasping. Wow. And, and I'm always amazed at these shows just because of the talent of the individuals who perform. I mean, their range of singing, their dancing, it, it, the choreography, all of it. But in terms of special effects, this one just sort of blew my mind. And so uh, I have been like a, a little bit Amy-ish in this respect since I saw it last night. I was telling my daughter and I was telling my husband and I posted it on social media and I've been been telling everybody been a little enthusiastic about how much I enjoyed the show which I did not expect so and then today after we finish recording this I am going to go see stage one a local community theatrical group for children we interviewed Andrew Harris from stage one several years ago anyway they're doing a production of number the stars which was written by, I think, Lois Lowry. Yes, it's a book. I've read it. And so last week, if schools or, you know, like homeschooling groups or cottage schools, if they book a field trip through a grant from the Jewish Heritage Fund, you can either do a a pre-show workshop or a post-show workshop. And they talk about the play and where it takes place. And uh, they did a really cool activity with the students where they had them come up with code words and then kind of mix and mingle and share these code words and then had to decipher them. So it was it was pretty good. So I'm excited to see that today. If I remember, it's set during World War II, but it's in like Scandinavia. Is it's that in right? Denmark. Denmark. Yes. Okay. It's in Denmark. Because I remember it being in a country that you don't think as much about is being yes. super involved in World War II, although all of Europe was, except for maybe Switzerland, I guess. Sweden. Uh, yeah. Sweden? Sweden remained neutral. Oh, Switzerland yes. didn't remain neutral? I don't know about Switzerland. But the okay. reason I know about Sweden is because there is a place between Denmark and Sweden where it's like a 20-minute boat ride. So when the Nazis came to Denmark, Denmark did not fight them. I and mean, they sort of lived together in this tense kind of relationship. But what the people of Denmark did is they helped their Jewish friends or Jewish neighbors escape to Sweden, which remained neutral and was not 
infiltrated by Nazis. This astounding number of Jewish you know, men, women, and children were able to escape Denmark and probably other countries because I think they were sort of funneled up to Denmark so they could escape to Sweden. Hmm. I teach a geography class to my middle schoolers. So I was actually able to use some of the things that we had learned from this workshop in geography class. So for their work this week, which was, which was pretty cool. I learned a lot from it. So yeah. Well, I don't have anything exciting like that. I didn't go to see any plays or anything, but I had a party this past weekend and it is a party that I've been having for six or seven years that I do in order to, to fight the gloom of January and February. It's called a favorite things party. Now you came, it's probably not one of your favorite things because this party involves stuff and you're not a big stuff person, but it causes it, me a little, a little stress. It does. And I hate that. I don't want a party no. to cause you stress. Well, I mean, I have fun when I'm there. Yeah. Uh, except when we're doing the stuff part of it. So it, <laughs> you know, anyway, we'll talk about that maybe. <laughs> so I heard about this kind of party, I don't know, a while ago. And I was, I just thought I like throwing a good party. So basically the premise of it is, is that you think of, Something that you use or you own that's one of your favorite things. You know, you set a price point. So for us, the price point was $20. And you bring three of that thing to the party. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Like, I think last year, the thing I brought was I love pottery. And so I brought three pottery mugs that were identical. And I also brought a box of tea of a flavor I particularly like. I think it was toasted coconut. And that was my, you know, favorite thing. This year I brought a a can opener, battery powered can opener that I really like. I know this is really exciting stuff. A battery powered <laughs> can opener. But, you know, you could bring anything. You could bring, you know, a, a beauty product. Lots of people brought different kinds of lotions because it is January and February and everybody's itchy and dry and everything. And so then everybody else does the same thing. They bring three items, all the same, of one of their favorite items. And so we set them all out. We go through and we each describe what the item is and why it's one of our favorite things. And then we divide up into three groups and you take turns going in and picking one of the items and you go home with three of somebody else's favorite things, or, three different favorite things. If you're or, like me, you go home with the items that you brought. <laughs> oh, you only went home with one and that was your choice to do that. I know. I know. We had talked a little bit about how I get stressed out trying to think of like, well, what's my favorite thing? And, and the, my problem is I am so practical. And I have like very sensitive skin, so I don't wear makeup. You know, I I don't use cool face stuff. I don't wear jewelry. The point is, because I'm so boring, I don't have a lot of stuff that people would want. So this year I was like, okay, what can I bring? Again, going back to I'm boring. I, I do love caramel corn. Like if I start eating caramel corn, it's hard for me to stop. And then Trader Joe's has dark chocolate peanut butter cups. And I sort of love those. And then I brought cornichons. No, I'm not pregnant. That ship has sailed. <laughs> Chocolate and pickles, yeah. <laughs> Chocolate and pickles. But I kind of like those. Because honestly, does anybody want me to bring Breathe Right nasal strips? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I've been funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, nobody wants that. 
<laughs> I don't really even want that, but it helps me sleep and it keeps my husband from, you know, bashing me with a pillow during the night. So uh, anyway, but I, I enjoyed seeing our friends and, and the food was great. The shopping portion of the uh, party is what gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit, but yeah, this is a very popular party. I didn't do it for several years during COVID and people were so sad. And so I started it back up again. But I'm telling you all this because if how many days has it been gloomy and rainy mm. here, Carrie? When then it was bitterly cold, which, you know, I guess you kind of expect in January, but I don't know. It's always nice to have something to look forward to after the holidays. It's kind of, you know, dull and, you know, maybe it's something that somebody else might like to try. It's a fun party. So and honestly, if you have everybody bring some food, you know, like a potluck, oh, yeah. there's virtually no work involved. It's yeah. a party with virtually no work. So t- tell me a little bit about this series you've been watching. Okay. Well, so <laughs> that's kind of hard because as the series goes on, I mean, you've seen it. So, you know, it gets pretty convoluted. I know, which is why I want to hear you explain it because okay. I think that's going to be funny. <laughs> okay. It starts with the suicide of an adult named Mickle. And he has a son who's a teenager named Jonas. And so soon after that, maybe a year or something like that, Jonas has a group of friends and their youngest brother, they're all in the woods. And the youngest child of Jonas's friends, the youngest child in their family goes missing. So as these, this story goes on, there's this stranger that, comes to this town. It's a town in Germany called Winden. You're not really sure what he's doing. Well, the father of the boy who has disappeared, his brother, 33 years ago, his brother disappeared. And so you're just trying to put these pieces together. Well, as the story continues, you learn that Mikkel, the adult who just committed suicide, was the same person as the youngest child of his son's friend's family. And and this boy, when he disappears, he actually goes 33 years into the past and then grows up to be Mickle. It is so mind-bendy because the show goes, it, it goes in increments of 33 years. The story's taking place It's in the 2000s, it's in the 1980s, it's in the 1950s, it's in the 1920s. So that's four different timelines. And then it goes forward. I don't know how far into the future forward it goes, because I can't even get my head around that. This German town is messed up, because it also has something to do with like a nuclear power plant. Right, there's a nuclear power plant, and that plant has something to do with what is happening. And we have finished season one and season two. We are getting ready to start season three. And actually, I'm going to look and see how many seasons there are. Do you know where I first heard about this series? It was Mm -hmm. actually through our podcast. Really? Yes. One of our guests, oh, maybe, oh, I don't remember which season, maybe season two or season three. We had a children's librarian in California, Natalie McCall. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about some series that she was enjoying. And Dark was one of them. Really? That's why I gave it a try. Huh. Yeah. It's only three seasons. And it ran from 2017 to 2020. What makes it 
most annoying is that my husband has already watched this series. And then we started watching it together and he remembers nothing about it. Hmm. And so, well, or maybe he's lying. He could remember something and he just doesn't want to tell me. I think it would be easy not to remember. I mean, because I have seen two seasons of it and... I mean, there's so much going on that yeah. it would be very easy, you know, yeah. not to remember details. But he also doesn't remember, you know, stuff like where he put his keys or, oh, yeah. you know, oh, you have to pick up our kid from school today. Can you remember to do that? Oh, you forgot to get milk. So, <laughs> you know, I can tell him something and 10 minutes later he has forgotten. So I, I honestly don't know. And he also ignores things that I tell him. So... So that one's dark on Netflix. And right. then a, a few weeks ago, we or maybe it was before the holidays, we talked about one called Bodies that is a British a British series that's on Netflix, I think. And you watched that one too. That's also time travel. Oh, uh, I haven't watched Bodies. Yeah, you did? I don't think I did. Did I watch it? Yeah, it was the one that was in the 1880s, and then it was in the 1940s, and then it yeah, was... I did watch that one. Okay. I, I forgot. I forgot what it was called. Yeah. So there was a British one that, that Me we both... giving my husband down the road I for I know! You need to <laughs> cut him some slack. So we had the British one, Bodies, and then mm-hmm. I saw one a few years ago. It was one that my husband and I disagreed on. I found it really intriguing... He was not so sure about it. I'm going to tell you all about it anyway, because I thought it had a really interesting concept. This is a Norwegian series, and it is called Be Foreigners. So foreigners with a B-E in front of it. Mm-hmm. And in this one, this time travel series, it's set in present day, and there will be these thunderbolts that like hit the water outside of Oslo, mm-hmm. and then a body will pop up from the water And the person will then swim to the shore and there's somebody from the past. So the people coming back are Viking. Some of them are from the 1800s. They're in all parts of history. Some kind of force is bringing them back. And so just like droves of these be foreigners are coming in Hmm. uh, to Oslo. And there is a lot of... um, (laughs) What what do the uh, border control... People well, who are so border control, are they like, <laughs> well, there's a lot of prejudice against these these people who have come from the past because they don't necessarily know how to function in right. the current day, right? And Understandable. so I don't, yeah. I, there's a lot of people from now who don't know how to function. Right. So our main characters are actually a, two police officers. There's uh, one who's from the modern day, and then there's one who's actually a Viking woman. What are the name of the maidens who would would guard the Viking warriors? I forget what they're called. Valkyrie. Yes, I think she was a Valkyrie. Okay. I think she was a. I think that's it. Okay. Uh, and so when she was a Viking, her job was to protect, you know, these uh, like Viking warlords. Mm-hmm. And now that she's been thrown into present day, she is one of the token be foreigners who've been put into a position of helping to keep the peace, I guess. You know, like they're trying to put some be foreigners in certain positions to make the be foreigners feel like they're included. And, you know, they're trying to integrate them. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, I thought this series was really interesting. I didn't see all of it. Uh, I saw, I think, maybe two seasons of it. And my husband's like, eh, 
and I don't watch a lot of shows by myself. I like watching him with him, so I kind of let it go. But I would have liked to have completed it. But it was made during the time when Europe was getting a lot of immigrants from Syria. Mm -hmm. So Mm. it was sort of a, I think, a commentary, a reaction to that, um, which I thought was very interesting. So Hmm. if you're looking for another uh, time travel, maybe give that one a try. It certainly had an interesting an interesting premise. Of course, if you don't mind subtitles, because the German one. Now, when you're watching Dark, are you watching it with subtitles or are you watching it with dubbing? Oh, subtitles. Yeah, I prefer yeah, subtitles I can't over do dubbing. dubbing. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. and also we've been we've been studying German because our hope is that in in two years our family can go to Germany. So mm-hmm. we've all been studying German. So it, it's actually, I mean, it's actually kind of helping me with German a little bit because a lot of the phrases I'm like, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. I know what that is. So it's it's kind of a good uh, language learning endeavor. I, I was lo- I was just looking up time travel films and just want to see how many of these you have seen. Have, did you ever watch Interstellar? No. Oh, you've never seen Interstellar? I don't think so. Oh my gosh, you need to watch that. I can't believe you've never seen Interstellar. That one no. is so good. <laughs> Who's in Matthew it? Matthew McConaughey oh. and um and Jessica Chastain. It's a sci-fi movie and it is awesome. Okay. It is so good. I, I'm surprised that Chris hasn't made you watch it. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask him about it. Okay. And have you seen Tenet? T-E-N-E-T. No. I think I've Okay. Well, that's another one you need to see because I have seen both of those and they're both time travel movies and they're awesome. Isn't that funny? I've watched series, but I don't watch very many. I have not seen very many time travel movies, but I yeah. need to change that. Yeah. I need to change and have that. you seen uh you know Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yes. Okay. Just making I've sure. I've seen that one. So you did grow up in the eighties. <laughs> like I did grow up. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. But because you know, there were a lot of them in the eighties. Like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and all of the Back to the Future. Yes. I mean you I know saw all those. Very popular. And do you remember there was well, she doesn't really go it's not time. I don't know what it would be. Time loop. Time. I don't know. But sliding doors. Did you ever see that one with Gwyneth Paltrow? Ah, uh, I think I might have, but I don't remember much about it. I, I always liked that one. So. There was one, but it was like early eighties. Uh, time Bandits. What do you remember? One called Time Bandits. Yes. yes. There's one that I know. Oh, have you seen Hot Tub Time Machine? Oh, yes. I have seen Hot Tub Time Machine. That one is classic cheese yeah. right there. With yeah. John Cusack, one of my favorites. Yeah. What about Donnie Darko? Have you seen Donnie Darko? I haven't seen Donnie Darko. Oh, my gosh. You've got to watch Donnie Darko. I had not seen that until recently. And it's weird, but it's really good. So anyway, okay. okay it was a whole bunch. Amongst all the things that you've been watching and plays you've been seeing, Carrie, what have you been reading? <laughs> I <laughs> listened to an audiobook called Intrigue in Istanbul by Erica Ruth Neubauer. And I picked this book because of the cover. It has a really colorful, just really appealing cover. And I discovered that this book is part of the Jane Wonderly mystery series. The book Intrigue in Istanbul is actually number four, but that didn't keep me from understanding what was going on. So 
Jane Wonderly is the protagonist and her father, he's an archaeologist, he has gone missing. And she discovers that he has mortgaged their home and the bank says, the money is due. We need $90,000 like in three weeks. And so Jane's in a panic and she needs to, number one, locate her dad and two, try to find out what he did with the money and if there's any money left. So she and her fiance, Redvers, they travel to Istanbul where she discovers two things. Number one, that her father has a romantic love interest and two, that Redvers has some secrets from his spying days. So the novel discusses various locations in Istanbul and that was part of the reason I liked it. Uh, one of the places that they talk about is Topkapi Palace where Suleiman the Magnificent lived with his great love, Roxalana. So as a travel lover, you know, so I would hear about this. They would talk about the palace and trying to discover clues. And then I would go on this Google uh, search to find out, is this a real place? And what does it look like? And who was Roxalana? And what's the history? And all that stuff. So if you like travel, if you like It's a Cozy Mystery, if you're interested in either of those, I would recommend it. Intrigue in Istanbul by Erica Ruth Neubauer. So... Very good. So since you started the fourth and you said you didn't miss anything, are each like standalone or like they kind of did a recap? They, get, they did a recap. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you start it and it's not so complicated that you're like, I don't know what's going on, but, I, but I'm interested in reading more. So oh, we'll cool. see. I may have cool. more information down the line if okay. I go and read one, two, and three. So, all right. Well, what about you? What have you been up to? So the book I'm going to talk about today, actually, it isn't quite out yet. Uh, the publishing date is February 27th, but be sure to look for it in a few weeks. And it is a time travel book and I couldn't fit it into my top five <laughs> that we're going to talk about in a minute. So I'm, I did just finish it recently. So it fits into what I'm reading, but it's called The Other Valley by Scott Howard Alexander. Uh, so this time travel novel is a little different in that it is set in a world that's not unlike ours, except that in the present, an isolated town sits down inside of a valley with mountains on either side. And if you cross over the mountains to the east, you'll be 20 years ahead of time. And if you pass to the west, you'll be 20 years in the past. So unlike in some of the other books that we're going to talk about today, where people are mysteriously transported through time, in this one, you can physically hike to the future or the past. And all three towns are in communication with each other. And our main character, Odell, is a teenage girl, and she is vying for a seat on a committee that decides who can cross the heavily guarded borders to the past or the present. And so this is in this society, teenagers are sort of given aptitude tests to, to be assigned to train in certain jobs. And one of the top jobs is to be on this committee. They're sort of like judges. And so Odile, she tests very well, very high in this. And so she starts training to become, they have a special name, they're conciliators, I think they're called. 
But when she sees people she knows who look to be from the future secretly observing one of her friends, she knows something tragic is about to happen. And then she wonders if she can really be as neutral on these ethical questions of visiting the past or the future as she would need to be to be a conciliar. And if she can't, then she's probably dooming her life in the present. So this is a coming of age story. It's filled with all kinds of moral and philosophical questions concerning human nature. And it's a great speculative fiction read if that is a genre that you are into. It was super thought provoking and a bit mind bendy, as are a lot of the time travel books that we're going to talk about today. Uh, But I thought it was an interesting take because you can just... You know, you're not taking a spaceship or you're not falling through a portal like you were literally like walking to the Hmm. past or the future. So Hmm. interesting Interesting. read. The Other Valley by Scott Howard Alexander. Go watch Okay, so now we've given you all a list of time travel series, time travel movies. We're going to give you time travel books. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to sink our teeth into time travel. We are back and getting ready to give book recommendations about time travel. But here's the thing, like there's variations on time travel. There's like time loop and time slip. And you've done a little bit of reading about this. So hit us with your knowledge. I have because I started thinking about how there are different kinds of I guess, time bending books. And I'd never really known what the differences were, but I did some research. I went down a Google hole. And so there are three different types of time bending books. There is the time travel book. And in a time travel novel, the character uses science to deliberately visit another time. So they're going on purpose, right? A time machine is sort of your classic time travel vehicle. And a time slip novel, a character accidentally travels to another time through a paranormal event. So this would be like, you know, you accidentally fell through a door and suddenly you're in 1800s England, or you get hit by lightning and suddenly you're in your mother's body or, you know, something like that. That would be a time slip novel. And then the final one is a time loop novel. And in a time loop novel, a character is forced to experience a span of time more than once until breaking out of the cycle. Think Groundhog's Day. That's what a time loop is like. Well, the series you're watching is a little bit like that. But it's also time travel because some of them, I guess the thing is, it's not a time slip because it's not accidental. It's not like they trip over a stick and all of a sudden they're sucked into a new <laughs> the, a vortex, know. a time vortex. That's right. I mean, so, yeah. so they kind of use technology. So they intentionally go and they're going and they're still stuck in their own. I don't know. I guess it's more time travel than time loop, but there are some things about it that are time loopy. It's so a hybrid. It, it's a right. hybrid, right? Yeah. So I guess the first time travel book written in what we would kind of consider modern time was The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. Have you ever read that? I have. Yep. 
I have not read that, but soon after that followed um, A Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court by Mark Twain. I've uh, read that too. You have? I think yes. I've read that one. Uh, and so that was sort of the beginning of sci-fi time travel, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I did not know this, but did you know that Daphne du Maurier, you know, the author of Rebecca, has a mm-hmm. time travel novel called no, The House on the Strand? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like Daphne du Maurier, so now I have to go read that one. And I think the reason that I like it is because I like history. And so I like the idea of like going back in history. Is yes. this a genre that that you enjoy? I do. Most of the time. Now, I will say I, I enjoy it as long as there aren't glaring things that make me question the integrity of the time loop. Like yeah. it has to be well done enough that I don't see holes in it like there are things where i'm like okay this seems like a hole and so when i read those types of books then i can get a little frustrated because lord knows i'm not smart enough to understand it but i guess if i can understand it that means there's a problem or if i see a glitch in the matrix i'm like okay well something's wrong here agreed yeah it has to be done well i mean i know i've read several that i was excited to read because they were time travel and then as i'm reading them i'm like this does not make any sense sense. now with all of these books you have to suspend disbelief a little bit right because as far as we know time travel doesn't happen although i will say that einstein proved that it, it is is theoretically possible. Like if you were in a spaceship and you were going at the speed of light, technically you would be traveling in time ahead. Yeah. But I don't think there's a way to go back. Scientifically speaking, there's not a way to go back. You could go forward, but not centuries, I don't think. Anyway, yeah, I, don't know. I know there are some that everybody's heard of, like Outlander uh, by Diana Gabaldon, which is sort of a historical romance Time Travel and uh, The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Nechthenegger. I want to talk about some books that maybe aren't on your radar if this is a genre that you're interested in. So, Carrie, give me the first one on your list. Okay. Well, these are not in any certain order. So it's not like I I love one more than the other. But one of the ones that I came up with is uh, Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Now, I like his books. I mean, he definitely has a certain style or voice to a lot of his novels. In this particular one, a character named Nora gets the opportunity when she's at her darkest moment and she's trying to end her life, where she gets to see and experience all the different possible timelines of her life. She feels like, why am I here? (laughs) My life is a mess. And she gets to see all these other things that might have been. Because I think, you know, she's really down on her current life and assumes that all these other lives would have been better. But by getting the opportunity to wake up in the midnight library, she gets to pick these books where every book is a version of her life. And there's this question, like, is there a perfect book? Is there a perfect life that you can sort of check out from this library? Or is there no such thing as perfect. You know, is every life going to have its flaws and its downsides and its terrible moments? So Matt Haig, the author, has struggled with depression his whole life. So, you know, a lot of his books kind of have that why you should choose life. You know, so it's it sounds depressing, but it ultimately ends up being pretty hopeful. So Midnight Library by Matt Haig. 
I can't believe I still haven't read that book. I haven't. I can't I just believe haven't you haven't it. either. I feel like everybody's read that book. I'm so late to the party on that one, but you know, FOMO. I'll get to it. FOMO. All right. Well, I'm going to start with a book that I think was one of the first time travel books I ever read and started me on this path. It's called The Doomsday Book by Connie Willis, and it's a little older. It's from 1992, I believe, and it actually won all the awards at the time for sci-fi fantasy. It won the Hugo, the Locus, the Nebula, but I read it right out of college. A friend of mine had recommended it, and uh, full disclosure, it is long. Uh, I think it's like 600 pages. But it perfectly exemplifies the use of science, time travel version of time bending novels. But in this story, a history student at Oxford gets permission to travel from the near future. She's in the year 2054 back to the Middle Ages, the 1320s, to do research. But there is a glitch and she is sent back to 1354, which is smack dab in the middle of a bubonic plague pandemic. (laughs) And at the same time, her colleagues in the present are dealing with another virus outbreak that they think has come back with a traveler through time. And they're trying to figure out how to rescue her and bring her back. So I found the whole storyline about the Middle Ages and the bubonic plague super interesting. It sounds like maybe it's not one for Carrie because it would like freak her out. Although, uh, although now that I've lived through essentially a plague, yeah, I'm like, you know, like I, I, I think my I've been desensitized. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> There you go. You know, I read this one years ago, but when I was preparing for this episode and refreshing my memory about this book, I saw somebody uh, wrote a review of it and they said that they read it right after the COVID pandemic and that this book was interesting because in the the storyline of 2054 and there's a virus outbreak then uh, that they're trying to deal with, that it kind of mirrors what happened with COVID. Hmm. And so I think it might be something I might like to reread at some time now that I've actually been through a pandemic as well. Hmm. So again, the name of that book is The Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. Cool. All right, my turn. Your turn. So the book I'm going to talk about now, it's called Transall Saga by Gary Paulson. Now, if the name Gary Paulson sounds familiar to you, he is probably most well-known for his book, Hatchet, which mm, like, mm-hmm. kid, I mean, it's a kid's book. And Transall Saga is a book for for kids. So I would say, you know, like late elementary and middle school. Transall Saga is a completely different kind of book. So it does have a little bit of that survival element, but it is about a boy named Mark who goes camping in the desert by himself, but a strange beam of light transports him unexpectedly to this strange world, which seems very primitive. So it's hard to determine, like, is this, has he gone to the past or has he gone to a future sort of like after an apocalypse? Mark is having to learn how to survive on his own, but he's surviving in the midst of a community of other humans or at least human similar people. And so, you know, the question is, does he ever get back to his home? Well, you have to read the book to find out. So it's Transall Saga by Gary Paulson. Because if you say saga, it makes me think there's like a series, but there's not. It's just one book? It's one book. Transall is the name of this other world or other time that Mark is experiencing. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that would be like a time 
slip because okay. it's accidental. And again, he probably tripped over a stick in the middle of the desert. And boop, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, the next one I'm going to talk about uh, is called Time and Again by Jack Finney. And this one is older. It was written in 1970. And Jack Finney was the author of many books, including Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's probably what he's most known for. But this one is considered a classic of time travel literature. Uh, in this book, he combines sci-fi, a love story, a mystery, and he really immerses you in New York City of the 1880s. So our main character is named Cy Morley, and he has been recruited to participate in a secret government experiment exploring time travel. And while he's there, he falls in love with a woman, and he must decide whether to stay or go back to his time in the mid-20th century. There's also a mystery involved, but what I appreciated most about it was all the historical detail he gives about old New York of the 1880s. And there are parts of it that I still think about today, even though I read it probably seven or eight years ago. And one of those is that there's a passage where he's walking through, I think it was Central Park, and he sees the Statue of Liberty's hand holding the torch, just sitting on the lawn. Because hmm. the Statue of Liberty wasn't erected on the island off the coast of Manhattan until 1886. And so workers were working on getting it assembled, but until then, pieces of it were just sort of sitting around. Hmm. And I still think about that passage all the time. Uh, this has a sequel to it, which I have not read. But again, I highly recommend this, especially if you like sort of that Gilded Age era, uh, Time and Again by Jack Finney. Okay, what's that one is definitely a time travel. He did it on purpose. So what what's your next one? So this one, I listened to this several years ago. It's a Stephen King book. The title is 112263. And I have to say the audiobook narrator Craig Wasson did a great job narrating this. So in the novel, a character named Jake Epping finds a portal. It's in his friend's restaurant that takes him back to 1963, where he discovers that he may be able to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So he tinkers with this portal. He kind of goes back and tests the portal to make sure that if he changes something in the past, that when he comes back through to his contemporary time, that Things have changed. So he tests that. And then he decides when he sees that it works, that he's going to go back several years prior to the assassination so that he can make some changes, kind of track some people in advance and make his way to the Dallas Book Depository to try to prevent the president's murder, which he thinks will make the world better. The question is, does it make the world better? So this novel makes you question whether undoing the past would really improve things for the here and now. So I thought it was a, a really good book. It's, you know, it's it's not a short one, but it was interesting. 112263 by Stephen King. I can't believe you listened to that on audio because you love a short audio book and that's got to be at least 20 hours. 31 hours. Third, how'd you do that? You just may have no idea. I don't know. That that means that it was a really good book. If you this, I read this one though. I mean, like this was well, it was before COVID. I mean, it's when I had my schedule wasn't quite as packed. I read this before the podcast. Hmm. So, okay. you know, my schedule is just busier now. I had more okay. time. Imagine all the th great things I could read if I just only had more time. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the way it is for us all, isn't yeah. it? Okay. All right. What's your next one? My next one is a time slip. And so, and this one is for middle school and, you know, older elementary school children. It's called Da Vinci's Cat by Catherine Gilbert Murdoch. Uh, this features a friendship between B, who lives in modern day New Jersey, and Frederico, who lives in Renaissance Rome. And this friendship is made possible because of a friendly cat that comes through a wardrobe on each side of history. So B finds a mysterious cabinet in her neighbor's attic. And when she crawls through to follow this friendly cat that appears, she finds herself in Renaissance Rome. And making friends with Frederico, who lives at the Vatican, where his father works for the Pope. And uh, it's also the time when da Vinci is working on painting the Sistine Chapel. So da Vinci is a major character in this. There's a lot of art history uh, with a storyline about the relationship or they're kind of frenemies, I guess, Raphael and da Vinci. And you've got a time traveling cat. What more could you want? It's definitely a, a book for the right kid who loves history and maybe is into art. And I enjoyed it. Uh, so that one's Da Vinci's Cat by Catherine Gilbert Murdoch. My next book is also for younger people. I mean, I enjoy it. It's a really good book. For an adult, it would be a fast read. And it actually won a Newbery Award. So it's called When You Reach Me by Rebecca Stead. So this book is about a girl named Miranda. She lives in New York City in the late 1970s. Her mother works at a law firm in this soul-sucking job and hopes that when she is a contestant on the $20,000 Pyramid Game Show, that she'll win some money and that will help improve her and Miranda's situation. So Miranda is, you know, kind of excited for her mom, but she's also had a falling out with her lifelong friend who lives in the same apartment building. So not too long after this stuff is going on, Miranda finds a strange note that doesn't make any sense to her. And then other mysterious things happen. And so she begins to put the clues together and even though she doesn't move through time, she discovers that someone that she knows in real life is also an adult in her real life who lives in that world. So she has to sort of get her mind around the fact that somebody she knows exists in the same time space of time and that their interactions affect each other and also affect Miranda. So when I read this with students, they love it. It's a really fun book. So it's uh, when you reach me by Rebecca Stead. That sounds good. Yeah. A little, you know, middle school mind bendy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, the next one I'm going to talk about is another time slip and you know, it is a classic it's kindred by Octavia Butler. And in this book, Dana is a modern day black woman and she repeatedly slips into the past to pre-Civil War Maryland uh, where she must help Rufus, who is the plantation owner's son, who she later finds out is her ancestor. So she, you know, is a modern woman going back to antebellum South and she, you know, is treated as a slave and Rufus is as bad as most of the slave owners, uh, but she must save him to ensure that she doesn't disappear in modern day. And so that is one of those tricks about time travel, right? Is that 
even though maybe you hated this person that you see in the past, if they're related to you in some way, you know, she has to help him stay alive so that she stays uh, alive, stays alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a limited series made from this book called Kindred. It was on Hulu. We watched a few episodes of it. They changed a few things that I didn't love, but that doesn't mean other people wouldn't like it. Did you ever see it? Did you? Ever I did try not. It? No, but I haven't yeah. read that. I haven't read. Oh, you haven't read book. Kindred. Okay. Nope. Again, that's Kindred by Octavia Butler. So this book I got for my daughter several years ago. It's called Neverworld Wake by Marissa Pessel. So this is the story of Beatrice and her four friends who attended school together. And they are sent into a state of shock when their mutual friend Jim dies. So Beatrice, who goes by B, returns to this home where the friends spent so much time when they were younger. And she's intent on trying to find out what really happened to Jim. As her friends gather at this home with her, one night they go out and as young people do, they party a little too hard. And unfortunately, they get into the car and attempt to drive home. Well, a car crash happens and the car crash lands them in this weird liminal space between death and life. And they have to make a decision about who will survive. But this liminal space is also like a time loop. So they keep getting into this car crash and it sends them back and sends them back and sends them back. So it has a little bit of that Groundhog mm. Day feel to it. But, you know, it is a, a YA book. And so ultimately they do come to an understanding about Jim and what happened and where they all stand in that situation. So again, it's Never World Wake by Marissa Pessel. Hmm, very good. Well, my last one is actually a book that one of our guests talked about in season nine. It's Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. Uh, it was recommended by horror thriller writer Katrina Monroe in season nine, episode 194. I knew when she described it that I had to read it. So this is a mystery thriller, and it starts out with a mother named Jen who's waiting up for her 18-year-old son, Todd, to get home on Halloween night. He's missed his curfew. And when she looks out the window, she sees Todd down the street talking with a man. Then all of a sudden, he pulls out a knife and stabs the man over and over. She's beside herself with shock because how could her mild-mannered son brutally kill another human being? And Todd is carted off by the police. But when she wakes up the next morning, it is the day before. And then each time she goes to sleep, she's transported to a day that matters in the fate of her son. She tries to figure out what happened and is she able to change it and break the time loop? This one had an ending that I did not see coming. I'd never read anything quite like it, the way this one was laid out. So again, the name of that one is Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. And I've been recommending it to all kinds of people. Cool. That wraps up our, our time travel recommendations, Carrie. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we're going to talk about a book that we've put on our TBR list. But before we do, we're going to hear from a fellow book lover with a five-star read. Hi, I'm Heather C., also known as Reading with a Vengeance on Instagram and YouTube, and I am in Savannah, Georgia. My most recent five-star book and one of my top 10 favorites of 2023 was The Boy and His Dog at the End of the World by C.A. Fletcher. 
This is a post-apocalyptic coming-of-age adventure story. Grizz is a teenage boy who lives with his family on an isolated island. They are tight-knit, but they struggle to survive in the wake of the decimation of the world's population as well as the loss of Grizz's sister, Joy. After a stranger visits, ostensibly to trade goods with the family, they awake the next day to realize Grizz's prized dog, Jess, has been stolen. Without much thought or preparation, Grizz sets out with his other dog, Jip, to rescue her. Grizz meets others on his journey, as well as challenges and obstacles, some of them life-threatening. This is a story of survival, courage, hope, love, loyalty, humanity, and family. There are also two delicious twists. I love this and gave this five stars because I couldn't put it down. I was constantly wondering what was going to happen next in Grizz's adventure, and I absolutely fell in love with Grizz. I hope you do yourself a favor and read this one. We are back. I want to mention a another stupid book banning thing that is just beyond, and I just have to mention it because it is so inane to me, but there is a school district in Florida that is putting clothes on naked picture book characters. <laughs> so <laughs> Indian River County, Florida has added clothes to picture books in response to complaints from the local chair of the Moms of Liberty group. So she filed objections to Maurice Syndax in the night kitchen, Eric Carl's draw me a star, uh, David Shannon's no David uh, book. It's basically a round belly with like legs on it. There's no (laughs) private part shown in. Well, I mean, apparently they disagree. So they have taken these books and either. Like, I don't know. Ta- I don't know if, what, if they've taken a Sharpie and like X'd it out or something. I don't know. This is just so stupid to me because it's because I'm thinking th- they look like babies. I mean, it looks like a baby. And there's I mean, in a lot of these, there's actually no privates shown. There's no, <laughs> there's no private. I, do these people keep their eyes closed when they shower and get dressed in the morning? Like I don't know. I want to know, Carrie, what is a book that you have recently added to your TBR? So I know that before trips, you always read something about where you're going. And up until going to Scotland, I did not do that. I did not make a point to do that. I don't know if I'm actually going to do that. This year, we are going to the very exciting Wisconsin, which I know does not sound nearly as riveting as Scotland. But after you go to Scotland, you, you kind of need to scale back your vacation budget. So we are going to Wisconsin. And actually, I'm really excited about going to Wisconsin because Door County is where we're headed and it's supposed to be beautiful. And I discovered a book that is set in Door County and it's called Orchard by Larry Watson. Uh, oh, and so okay. I thought, hmm, you know, I'll kind of add that to my TBR and then maybe as, as the trip gets closer or uh, when we're up there, maybe I can look for it and, and check it out, bring a copy home. So we'll see. Uh, but then I had also added Poor Things. So when we went to see mm. the movie Poor Things, I did add uh, Alistair Gray's novel to my list because I really love the movie. And so I think I'd like to read the book too. 
What about you? Well, (laughs) I don't think I have mentioned this on the show yet, but my husband and I are going to have our 30-year anniversary this year, and our daughter is turning 21, and so the three of us are going to take sort of a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to South Africa. We're going to go on some safaris. We're going to stay in Cape Town and see the coast. And and I'm really excited about it. But this is a major big trip. Uh, But recently I saw a book that I want to read that's set in South Africa. It is nonfiction. It's called Soccer Grannies, the South African Women Who Inspire the World. Uh, And it's written by Jean Duffy. And so this is a, a nonfiction book about a group of South African grandmas who live in rural South Africa, and they defied social convention and started a soccer team for women in their communities. And they're known as the soccer grannies. And they started playing, and then they started sort of traveling around the world playing. But this journey that they have taken, um, they talk about apartheid, poverty, unemployment, AIDS, domestic abuse, and more. Um, And those are issues that they, I guess, is part of their um, outreach to the world. Hmm. And it just sounded really cool. And the author actually is part of an adult women's soccer team, and they brought the soccer grannies over uh, to the United States. So I'm kind of interested in reading that, uh, you know, about the realities of um, Black women living in South Africa uh, through soccer playing grandmas. That's that sounds very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's all I got. That's it. Okay. But, well, I mean, I've I've put a ton, but like the rest of them, like a lot of them, they're on there, but I don't remember what they're about or why I even put them on there. <laughs> that's what happens with you. You put so many on that you're like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. What is this? I don't know. I don't yeah. know what any of these are. <laughs> uh yeah, when you're le- when you're a little more selective, you you kind of like, oh, I remember why that's on my list. So that's true. I, I mean, I I I can't argue with that. But sometimes it's because I will a- I will enter giveaways on Goodreads, and mm. when you do that, it automatically adds that book to your uh, want to read list. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, they the book sounded good, or I wouldn't have signed up for the giveaway. But I mean, do I exactly remember what it's about? No. So there. <laughs> you just know you wanted a copy for yourself. That is correct. <laughs> All right, I think that's a wrap, Carrie. All right. Well, I, we uh, time has passed, and I need to go get dressed so I can go see this play. So okay, that's what I'm going to do right now. We'll see you next week. Happy reading. For show notes for any episode, go to our website at perksofbeingabooklover.com. We're also on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod and on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover. Just send us a message, go to our website, and click the contact button. So we've already established that, that Amy would love for you to tell a friend or give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. But maybe we need to do like a, uh, what is it, the reverse psychology. So maybe if you just want to aggravate me, then, you know, or you, I don't know, like go give us a review. I mean, make sure it's good, but you could do that if you are in your feels give us a give us a review just to maybe i don't know do the opposite we may carry upset and absolutely 
Do not give us a review. Okay. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org. 